0: Welcome to the Abide Podcast, where our goal is helping others delight in Christ for the sake of becoming more like Christ with the hope of multiplying disciples of Christ. Welcome back to another Abide Podcast as we continue our series on disciple making. And last week we kicked off the spring series with Andy Abramson and we talked about Why disciple-making is important. Um, And so if you missed that conversation, be sure to go back and listen to that because it really sets up the rest of this season. Um, We have to first know why this is so important in order to produce our own convictions about it. Um, And so... We are going to be talking today about just the process of disciple making in general. That's what this whole series is about. And so I kind of want to just use this episode to set up the rest of the episodes um, or to set up the rest of the series. And so I have college pastor Chris Cummings again joining me on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. I think that this is a really good topic um, for you in general, just because Coastal College has really taken a step towards disciple making in the past two years Mm -hmm. to create this disciple making culture within our ministry. We have implemented some steps, I guess you could say, to move us towards disciple making. Every ministry does this differently. Mm -hmm. But I think the underlying principles and concepts of disciple making remain the same for every disciple making ministry. And so that's what I wanna talk about mainly is what are those underlying principles and concepts? So let's just start off by asking the question, what are they? Um, what are the concepts and the principles that make up disciple making?
1: Yeah, um, so so right off the bat, we have to understand that disciple making is part evangelism, part discipleship. Mm-hmm. That, that those two things, are actually not separated by any means but rather that they are two sides of the same coin that's common language that we use to describe disciple making right. at Coastal College and in our ministries and even with 242's like mm-hmm. disciple making is discipleship and evangelism those are two sides of the same coin and they they both have to be present right for true disciple making to occur mm-hmm. right so if we go back to the Great Commission Right where we get the command from Jesus to make disciples. This is the, the the base command of why we should make disciples mm-hmm. and why we should pursue the endeavor of disciple making. Right, mm-hmm. Jesus tells us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Right, baptizing them in the, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Right. Um, it's interesting when you look at the Greek for mm-hmm. the Great Commission. The Great Commission is uh, in the in the in the Greek language. It only has one true kind of verb in it, right? Um, and that verb is the verb to make disciples. So when Jesus gives the Great Commission, the primary command is to make disciples. Mm-hmm. The going, the baptizing, the teaching, aren't actual real verbs in a sense (laughs) they're they're in the greek language they're participles which are given to help describe uh, and elaborate on the main verb so it's almost in a sense of uh, when you make disciples Mm -hmm. you should go that going is a part of making disciples Mm -hmm. baptizing is a part of making disciples teaching is a part of making disciples Mm -hmm. and so in the great commission alone you see two sides of the the coin of disciple making Mm -hmm. you see both the evangelistic side and the discipleship side when jesus says to make disciples by baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. that's a very evangelistic thing, right? Right. All throughout the New Testament, we see that the the first kind of act of obedience that believers typically do is they are baptized. That's an indication, an outward expression of an inward heart who's been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and has decided to follow him with our lives, Right. right? And so baptism is very much a new believer act of obedience. Mm -hmm. But then you have teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. This is the second part, or really the third part. Going is the first part of the Great Commission. It says, make disciples by going, by baptizing, and then by teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us, right? And uh, when you look at that part, that's very much a discipleship part. Mm -hmm. We're teaching them to walk in obedience. We're teaching them uh, correct doctrine and correct theology. But also, Um, that part also gives us a glimpse into the true multiplication aspect of disciple-making itself, right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the commands that Jesus gave us was to make disciples. And so to truly make disciples means to baptize, evangelize, and to engage the lost, but also to help mature them to the point where they are also making disciples. Because one of the commands that we are told to teach others to do is the command to make (laughs) disciples, right? Right. And so even in the Great Commission alone, you can't get past this. In the Great Commission alone, we see the two sides of the coin of disciple-making. It's as if Jesus says, go make disciples, and the way you do that is by (laughs) evangelizing and by discipling them. Right. And a lot of times um, ministries tend to focus on one or the other. Yeah. And I I think when we do that, we only fulfill half of the Great Commission at best. Right. um, And not what it fully commands us to to abide by. Right. Um, I remember reading an article from some— blog i forget it was years ago when we were starting coastal college and trying to engage college ministry and the article said um it was an article about starting a college ministry on a college or a ministry on a college campus and the article said first step is you need to decide what kind of ministry you want to be do you want to be about the lost or do you want to be about the believer and i just sat there (laughs) thinking like do we do we really have to choose like do we have to like do we have to like create these ministries that are all evangelistic and these other ministries that are all discipleship and somehow ministry a hands off to ministry B in order to move forward. And, and the reality is no, right. Mm -hmm. The reality is like God calls the church and calls Christians to make disciples by being evangelistic and by discipling other believers so that other believers can be evangelistic and disciple others in in this reproducible Mm -hmm. kind of way. And so, When it comes to disciple-making in that process, the first thing that we have to realize is that it's not only evangelism to the lost, and it's not only maturing believers to do the work of ministry, but that it is, in fact, a both-and situation, that it's evangelism coupled with discipleship together that makes disciple-making.
0: And I think the point that you made about you know, do you choose to be an evangelistic ministry or discipleship ministry? I think that the churches and the ministries that have that view, they tend to produce believers. And then those believers, I think never are matured into disciple makers because the ministry that they're in is all about get them in the door, get them saved, baptize them and then just leaves them.
1: Yeah. And that's the problem, right? Is like, when you're when you're hundred percent evangelistic focused you yeah, you may save a lot, but then you don't have any disciples to go right evangelize because they're not they haven't been discipled right. to go do that right they don't magically do that right like, and I think that's the this one that disconnects is like i think for i think for a lot of ministry leaders, we assume that when you become a believer that you're you're magically discipled somehow without any degree of intentionality right, and that you're just going to go out into the world and, and, and make disciples. And that's just not the case. Right. Like if we're going to be a church for the next generation of people, if we want our kids and our kids' kids and so on and so forth to know Jesus – we have to go to the discipleship mm-hmm. right we can't just be all about engaging the lost we have to mature believers to do the work of ministry at the same right. time if all you focus on is discipleship and you don't evangelize the lost you're not gaining any ground right. eventually like what
0: you, you create is consumerism yeah
1: what you yeah consumerism but also eventually the church just dies out right if no if if you're not trying to evangelize your kids or whoever yeah. like eventually the church just dies mm-hmm. and so there's no way around it Right. If the church in America and across the world, predominantly in America, if we're going to survive and, and grow from all these things, we have to realize that we have to engage the lost evangelistically and we have to con- we have to consider investing our, our time and our life with believers to to do the same. Right. And so. So, yeah. So right off the bat, what does disciple making look like? It's got to include evangelism and discipleship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you don't include one or the other, you're not making disciples. Right. It, you, you're, you're, not being, you're not making reproducible disciples. You're, you're doing half of what the Great Commission calls us to actually go do.
0: Right. Well, I think you see this clearly in just the life of Jesus himself when he spent a whole lot of time discipling his 12 and really his three um, but then he also didn't ignore the masses either. Right. He went to the masses and he taught them and he essentially evangelized to them. Yeah, um, and, and so honestly
1: too, going off of that is yeah. like his evangelistic tool to the masses also was a discipleship tool to the 12.
0: Right. It was because so he let them go right. on their own right. and go out. So when
1: you look at the feeding of the 5,000, mm-hmm. Jesus performs the miracle, but it's the disciples yeah. who feed them. They go right. around with the baskets feeding. They're, they're a part of the miracle. Right. And so, and even when Jesus commissions the 72, and, and we see all that mm-hmm. throughout, you know, the Gospels. Um, but, like, very much so, when Jesus would evangelize to the masses, he made it in a way that it was a discipleship tool to the 12. Right. And so that's that's huge. Yeah. So
0: That is a little nugget to think about. Yeah. How can we turn discipleship into evangelism? Yeah. How one can in you the use, same. Yeah.
1: How can you use opportunities to literally do both? Yeah. How can you take the people that you're discipling, with you to evangelize. Yeah. Because then you're, you're modeling evangelism and you're teaching them to evangelize and you're evangelizing. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's true. That's a great combination (laughs) to have all in one spot. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So kind of going off of that, talk about what we have implemented in our ministry Mm -hmm. in order to move towards both evangelism and discipleship. What does that look like within Coastal College?
1: Yeah. So, for us we we started what we now call two forty twos and it honestly took us a long time to get there and and to be completely transparent too we have not by any means
0: mastered s- this. mastered this <laughs> no
1: we are still learning from Jesus what it's like to make disciples and learning from the New Testament church what it's like to make disciples um and still constantly i think seeing um shortcomings in what we've implemented so far. Yeah. And repenting and saying, God forgive us and help us, mm-hmm. Lord, to grow mm-hmm. where we're weak. Uh, and where you he is inevitably strong. Um and so we we created a thing called 242s, which is based off of Acts two forty two. Um Acts two forty two says they dedicated themselves to the apostles teaching, the breaking of prayer, the fellowship prayer um, that's a, not a direct quote, obviously. Um, but it's this, this concept of inward dedication that you're dedicated to basically three main things. prayer, the word of God and fellowship within brotherhood of Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's interesting is, is the outflow of, of Acts 242, we see Acts 243 to the end of Acts chapter 2 and Acts 2:47, which is where we see the early church um, uh, willingly give money. To the poor, uh, to help the poor, um, to sacrifice um, themselves for for other people, to engage the lost on a regular basis, and to evangelize to them. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of Acts two, we see that God added to the number daily mm-hmm. those who are being saved. And so, um, in Acts two, at the very early church, um, what we see is is these people were they were gathering in the temple very regularly um, as a as a body, as a unit of believers. But also, they were breaking bread together regularly too. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting if you think about it. There's no way in the world. I mean, I guess there is a way in the world. But you, the odds of them breaking bread together as one massive unit yeah. is unlikely, right? right? Acts 2:41, at the end of Peter's prayer or not prayer, uh, sermon at Pentecost, um, it says that three thousand people were saved that day. So we know that the church in Jerusalem is at least three thousand. So A
0: megachurch, by definition. <laughs> a megachurch in a,
1: in a day, yeah. yeah. I mean, how many pastors would love that to happen, right? Um, all of us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we all would. <laughs> uh, but um, So we know that the early church is at least 3,000 at the beginning of Acts 2.42. And to break bread together re- daily, I, I highly doubt they were sin- sit- sitting around a 3,000-person oh, table, right? <laughs> or just in the middle of a field, like eating, right? Uh, most likely... What I think was happening is that the believers were gathering together in the temple for worship, mm-hmm. but they were dispersing into homes for dinner and fellowship. And in the homes is where I think we see the majority of the discipleship actually take place. Mm-hmm. It's around the dinner table um, where they encourage one another, pray for one another, uh, champion each other, train each other. Um motivate each other to Mm -hmm. disciple and to evangelize and to make actual disciples, right? right? And so 242s for us is modeled after that very concept of we want to get small and intimate. We want to have just enough people around us that can fit around a dinner table. And so for us, what that means is somewhere between two to four, maybe five in that range, very small group of people. Right. And the reason why we do that intentionally small is so that um, you can have very intentional conversations. It's really hard slash nearly impossible to <laughs> disciple 300 people on a Sunday morning. <laughs> you, you can't. No. Because you don't know where everyone is. And you right. can't have the time to figure out where everyone is. And you can't customize your message for every single individual person. Right. But You can. Do a lot more of that intentionality in a very small, small, small setting, mm-hmm. and that's I think what was so genius about Jesus, mm. is Jesus didn't plant a single church. If he, if Jesus right. came to be a church planter, he failed and he <laughs> failed hard because he didn't plant a single church. Right. But what he did instead was beyond beautiful. Right. He invested his time intentionally with twelve, and even more intentionally with three. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes. We see those same people, minus Judas, obviously, right, (laughs) R.I.P. We see them start the early church, and we see them evangelize and and share the good news of the gospel and do the things that Jesus was doing. And um, so Jesus' uh, big thing with the disciples was to prepare them for all of this. And so 242 is a place for us to get intentionally small Mm -hmm. in such a place where true authentic discipleship can happen because we don't believe it can happen in settings of hundreds. We believe it happens in very small, small circles of three, maybe five Mm -hmm. um, people. And then in those groups, um, we, we like to practice what we call Bible-centered multiplication, which mm-hmm. essentially means we're walking through books of the Bible. So in Acts 2.42, they dedicated themselves to each other. There's that small essence of fellowship where there's very few of us around a, a dinner table, breaking bread together, praying for each other. There's that small, small group. But they also says in two forty-two, Acts 2.42 that these people were dedicated to the apostles' teachings, okay, we now know the apostles' teaching as the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. So essentially what they were dedicated to is they were dedicated themselves to the scriptures. Right. So what we believe is we, we think that the Bible is the best possible avenue to disciple someone else, mm-hmm. period. Like, without a doubt. <laughs> right. Um, other books are good and can act supplementary, mm-hmm. but the Bible has to be key. So, so we don't say Bible only in discipleship groups, and 242 mm-hmm. groups, but we do say Bible always. And so every group of 242s um, are walking through certain books of the Bible that the leader picks out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the leader might say, hey, we're going to walk through John, and then we're going to walk through a New Testament epistle, then we're going to go back to the Old Testament, whatever. Whatever reading plan the leader feels like is best to lead and guide those students, individuals, mm-hmm. is what they choose. And every week mm-hmm. they... Um, walk through the abide method, which Mm -hmm. we've talked about and read the Bible in that way. And they come together and they talk about what they read. uh, And, and they also encourage each other to evangelize and to share the good news with others. And, um, and so we get really intentionally small. We focus on the Bible. That's our main textbook, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, But at the same time, we also make sure that we carve out time to pray. And so every person in a 242 Mm -hmm. has a, has a, a a reminder on their phone, Mm -hmm. um, uh, an alarm on their phone that goes off at 2:42 p.m. and the whole concept is at for at least one minute that you pause wherever you are and that you pray for the people in your 2:42 and just for the world in general and that more people would come to faith in Christ and that the people in your 2:42 will grow in their maturity in in who Jesus is mm. and. Um, that they would also multiply outward to -hmm. others. Um, Some of the things that we're working on um, throughout all this is how do you better implement evangelism? So in our first semester or so of doing 242s, we've seen some really great results on the discipleship side of disciple making, but not so much the evangelistic side. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that we're really working on right now is trying to get these 242s to go do evangelism together. Mm -hmm. So what that might look like, for example, for some, is maybe you have a game night, And it's just you and your 242 and you have a board game night at your dorm or apartment or house or whatever, but you invite only your lost friends. Mm. And it's, it's an opportunity for your lost friends to get around some really loving Christians and to have a night that, um, you know, is very heavy relational Mm -hmm. that can hopefully lead to some intentional conversations down the road. Um, Things like that are mm-hmm. things that we want to see happen more inside of these two forty twos, where right. both discipleship is happening with the people that are committed to the life of the two forty two, while at the same time evangelism is happening out to those outside of the two forty two right. as well. Um, and then also these two forty twos are meant to multiply, so they're they're small, they're mm-hmm. simple, they're very easy to reproduce. Um, the more complicated you get in your vehicle of multiplication, the more harder the harder it is to multiply. Right. Um, and so. These 242s are meant to be simple, meant to be small, meant to be simple, and they're meant to multiply. And so we say after a year, if you haven't already multiplied, we want you to go ahead and and look and see who's next and go multiply in someone else. And then you commission them out. And usually the leader helps commission them and um, things like that. Um, But yeah, so that's that's kind of our answer in a way is we we don't feel like our, our Wednesday night gatherings where we have... Hundred plus college students gathering for worship um, is, is really the, the, the right place to be able to disciple everyone. We also don't think there are community groups that have upwards of 20 mm-hmm. in each group, like, is really the right place to be able to disciple someone well. And so, this is really kind of that third level of groups where um, uh, disciple making mm-hmm. really can happen. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: yeah. And these groups, you know, when you were talking about they're meant to multiply. Um, who said the quote that it's hard, like it hurts. I think it was Francis Chan, but you know, he was talking about his church and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to multiply because, you know, the goal is that you get really close with these people and they become, you know, your people and, you know, you're not going to want to multiply because they're your people and you're comfortable here and and you're well supported and encouraged and loved. Um, and while that, is the type of community that we want all believers to be living in. We also want all believers to take part in the second half of that Mm -hmm. commission of to go and evangelize the lost. And so in order to do that, you know, you have to multiply out and you have to leave this safe place, this comfortable place and go to the people who need Jesus. Because I mean, ultimately that's what Jesus did. Like he, he left the comfort of heaven to come down (laughs) to us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. And, so like one of the things that, that um, I'll say when it comes to like discipleship, the mm-hmm. discipleship side of the coin, is that discipleship happens. It starts with intentional selecting where you select a handful of people that you're going to intentionally invest in and disciple. Mm-hmm. It starts with intentional selecting, but it ends with intentional sending. Yeah, You have to be intentional on both sides. Mm-hmm. If you never send, then your 242 becomes – a glorified Bible study which is awesome and right. we all love that and that's mm-hmm. good but for the sake of the lost people all over the world mm-hmm. and for the sake of multiplying yourself and other people so that other people can go after the lost, and other people can disciple and generations upon generations upon generations of people can can experience the good news of the gospel you have to send right you can't just be you can't just intentionally select and intentionally study and intentionally get into the Word of God and never send you have to get to a place where you send people and even if it hurts, like do it. Like we, for the sake of the gospel, we have to do that.
0: Right. Well, I also think it helps, especially in college ministries. um, These students are not going to be in Galveston for the rest of their life. They're not going to be with Coastal College for the rest of their life. And so it helps them have something that they can take with them to wherever they move. So that way they can continue their disciple making efforts elsewhere and not just rely on, Coastal College for their personal growth and evangelism, but now they have taken it upon themselves to go and and do that personally wherever they are. Yeah. So that's also super helpful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, there just has to be ownership on that level, you know. um,
0: Which I think is why we've made 242 so decentralized from our ministry is because we want – this is part of helping them take ownership – of their faith, and of the Great Commission personally in their life.
1: Yeah, and that's what's so great. It's like so many college students, even from a discipleship aspect of it, so many college students don't know how to read the Bible for themselves. Mm -hmm. And a 242 is a place where they can learn some of those basic skills and they can feed themselves. And Mm -hmm. so when you you come to a COVID situation and churches have to close their doors, you have people that aren't dependent on a Sunday morning gathering to get their spiritual nourishment. Right. You have people that have been trained on how to actually read the Bible for themselves and can like, they can persevere through these very difficult times Mm -hmm. because they've been properly equipped to do so. Right. And you're taking it a step further and, and, and saying now not only are we going to train them to just survive, (laughs) but we're going to change, we're going to train them and equip them also to multiply. Um, so yeah, yeah. You, there's there's just that level of intentionality. I think that's just so important um, when it comes to to making disciples. Mm-hmm. The conversations are important. The practices are important. They're all intentional. The selecting's intentional. The sending's intentional. Everything mm-hmm. in there. And and what a relief, honestly, too. Yeah. Like to be able to say like, hey, focus on three. Don't worry about the masses. Right. Focus on three right
0: that's so much more manageable thank god
1: (laughs) like we're not we're not called to go start a revival somewhere like to focus on a few who then focus on a few more you know it's robert coleman in his book master plan of evangelism said everything that jesus did for the for the few was always meant for the many. right? And I love that because it's yeah. so true. Like Me discipling three people is meant for the masses right. because they're going to go get other three people and they're going to get three people and they're going to get three people and next thing you know, the masses are reached. Yeah. And it's not because I sit up on a pedestal and try to preach everyone to... To Christ, it's Mm -hmm. because we multiplied ourselves in other people. And so, for the sake of the masses, get small, get intimate, and be intentional with a few people Mm -hmm. in order to reach the many people that God has a heart for and has a heart to reach.
0: Definitely. So, going back to the two sides of the disciples, the disciple making coin, Mm -hmm. evangelism and discipleship. um, In our ministry, we've kind of broken those down even further those two even further and what i i don't think we've really defined what these are called but i'm calling them the four b's because they all start with the letter b yeah um so why don't you start by talking about the evangelism side and what are some of the concepts that go into evangelism
1: yeah um so when it comes to the two sides of the same coin really we've also created two halves of each side right um on the evangelistic side we have the first half being a side that we call belong and the second half being a side that we call believe mm-hmm. um, on the belong aspect of it, essentially um, to summarize it is we want to teach people how to engage other people in such a way in order to create interest for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this can be done in like one meeting, right? So like you might meet someone who's a non-believer uh-huh. and, You might engage them and as you're engaging them you're you're creating interest for the gospel Um, it might take more meetings over the course of time but basically what this means is we want to help you know get people to be in a place where they are interested in the gospel itself Mm -hmm. so that includes things like helping people uh, just belong to us. Invite them into your life. Mm-hmm. Become like befriend that person. Yeah, you know, start a relationship with them. Um, but at the same time, we don't want you to get so hung up on the relationship that you never share. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big fads, if you will, in the Christian world in America right now is relational evangelism, mm-hmm. which basically means I'm going to befriend someone and then through that friendship. I'm going to point them to Jesus, which mm-hmm. is a great concept. Right. The problem with most people who practice relational evangelism is that they never actually <laughs> evangelize to them. Right. For most people, they are really, really nice to them, hoping that one day they'll ask about Jesus <laughs> and they never do. Uh, and so you have to be <laughs> intentional with your conversation. Mm-hmm. But we do believe that the, the the appropriate way to go about evangelism is to start with that kind of relational aspect, yeah. to through your living and through your lifestyle and through the conversation you're having with other people, that you're helping them become interested in the gospel and the way that you live and, and the way that you interact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's the other side, the other half of that coin, which is the believe side, which means at some point you have to share the gospel. Right. At some point, you have to tell them that they are a sinner in need of a savior, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: Got to have a hard conversation. That has
1: to occur, yeah. right? But through the process of, of the belong of belonging, where you're getting them interested in the gospel, they're you know uh, they're help, you're helping them belong in a sense of uh, relationally belonging to you. Um, through that process, we believe that more people are going to listen to a gospel presentation than they would if you never start with a belong section. Mm-hmm. So the person who stands on the side of the corner preaching to everyone who walks by, not winning a lot of people to faith. I haven't a lot of people against it. They're turning a lot of people against, honestly, what they're, the mission that they're trying to accomplish, they're actually accomplishing the opposite, which Mm -hmm. is really unfortunate. And they should maybe listen to this podcast and be (laughs) encouraged to stop the madness. But very few testimonies that I've heard have been, I was walking down a street, heard a guy with a bullhorn and was like, yeah, my eyes are open. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I just stopped and I really paid attention to what he had to say. Um, that isn't usually the case, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do believe that a that a good start to a relationship can be really helpful when it comes to to, to sharing the gospel with others. We don't. I, I'm not sure. There's just not as many people that are interested in the gospel when it's a stranger telling them. So that first step of belonging is super important. But at some point we have to tell them, right. And as we tell them, we have to share it in such a way that. Um, really presents the gospel in their context, mm-hmm. uh, in a sense, contextualize the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is listen to where they are. Where they are. Yeah. What are the hurts? What are the hangups for them about Christianity?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe they come from a completely different faith background. You should know that. If they come from a different faith background, you should know what it is and what they believe in order to share the gospel in a way that helps guide them out of that faith background into Christ mm-hmm. without it. If you just use generic, you know, I'm going to draw this diagram on a napkin a process with every person you meet, you're going to miss a lot of people right. because you haven't taken the time to listen to them and to figure out how to contextualize the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, I won't get into it fully, but go read gospel fluency by Jeff Vaynerstel, Yeah. because it talks about this in a phenomenal ways right. of how can we, Preach the gospel into the everyday stuff of life mm-hmm. and to the everyday people of life yeah. as well. Um, and so we have to learn their context um, in order to share that that with them. And so on the evangelism side of the coin, you have belong, which is helping people relationally kind of belong to you and, and to your circle, um, engaging them that way. And then we have believe or we, we are sharing the gospel with them in such a way that it engages their current predicament, their current context.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now it kind of shifts over to the discipleship portion after someone has stepped over the line of faith because yeah. it doesn't just stop there. And we've broken up discipleship into two main concepts, um, which we call become and beget. Mm-hmm. So becoming is really just spiritual growth you growing in your relationship with Christ, you, um, you know, gaining head knowledge, and you. Um, Cultivating your heart affection for Christ, um, and getting your hands dirty in the service of the Lord and yeah, serving and even other in evangelism. people, and evangelism. Yeah, exactly. you're learning
1: how to reach the lost. Right,
0: yeah. exactly. Um, and then b- begetting is um, where now you've kind of switched over. You, you, you know, we kind of say that this is for the ma- spiritually mature believer, um, but really. You know, once you have the foundation of, of faith um, and you have a heart that loves Jesus and loves people, you move into this stage of preparing to go and be sent out mm-hmm. on your own to now and go disciple others and continue evangelizing the lost. And so um, kind of breaking down, become a little bit more. This is really where it's so important to start cultivating spiritual habits of your own. That This is where the 242 is so, so So helpful helpful Mm -hmm. because it teaches you how to read the Bible on your own. It gives you that sense of community and fellowship. And it's a place also uh, that I like to tell the people in my 242 who don't like prayer or they're scared of prayer. This is a safe place to practice prayer (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you are in a small, intimate community of people who love you and support you and encourage you. And so, so much like there's so much benefit to 242 and having the small setting of believers coming together. Yeah,
1: And also going off that there's, there's a really high degree of accountability too, Yeah, which is very important, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So like, I mean, even just from a Bible reading aspect, I am so much better about reading my Bible (laughs) daily because I know that I have a 242 that I'm going to meet with to talk about it. Yeah. Like it keeps me accountable just to read my Bible, which is very, basic thing mm-hmm. to do when it comes to Christianity. And so even just on that level, it means such a high degree of accountability, not only on reading the Bible, but even when it comes to sins and confessing our sins to each other. Right. And um, even the evangelistic aspect of it, praying for the loss. I mean, that's uh, like a huge aspect of it as well is like, man, you got some people that you're centered around that love you. They're going to keep you accountable to all of these things, mm-hmm. which is huge.
0: Yeah. So not only are you able to grow and just, you know, Uh, learning more about what you believe, um, learning how to communicate your faith, you're also growing in your affections for the Lord because the more that you read his word, the more that he's going to stir your affections for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is going to lead you out to be able to step into um, positions where you can serve others. Um, And you start to then kind of, become outward focused, you know, at first when a new believer is just starting reading the Bible and just starting to learn about the faith, they're very much inward focused, which they need to be. They need to be able to to grow in their own faith and be able to set that foundation um, for the rest of their life. But then there comes a certain point where you begin to turn outward or where you should begin to turn outward, Mm -hmm. um, which is also where two forty twos come in handy because you can keep each other accountable for that as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, and you start to step into opportunities where you, and this is where evangelism comes in as well, where you can reach out, start reaching out to people Mm -hmm. and sharing your faith with them. And I think the new believers in general are just a little bit more excited to share their faith with people anyway. Um, but then you start to, you know, maybe step into a position in your, local church where you're serving on a daily basis and um honestly a lot of the become section is really we covered in our mini series um this past winter with head heart hands you are growing in all three of those aspects and you're becoming the disciple of christ that uh he is transforming you into that the spirit is is sanctifying you to be
1: well and that's yeah, that's a good point. And, and that's why we created 242 was to create a space where we can intentionally help create mm-hmm. biblical disciples. Right. You know, like that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to just feed people's head. Right. Over and over. Right. We also want them to become legalistic and only feed their hands. Right. Um, and so we, we really want people to grow in their head, heart, and hands mm-hmm. when it comes to serving the Lord. And what I love about 242s is like through the Bible, you really are able to engage the head, which in turn is able to engage the, the heart mm-hmm. well, uh, especially when you meditate and dwell on the scriptures. Right. Um, but then you're being challenged to beget and mm-hmm. to make more disciples and yeah. to evangelize the lost and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And um, that really engages your hands as well. And so right. it's, we're learning something that we then are praying that will get sunk down deep into our hearts, mm-hmm. uh, that'll become convictions. It'll stir up affections, mm-hmm. and then it'll lead us outward uh, to go and and do
0: right. And so when you know you're in a two forty two, um, once you begin to develop develop these habits on your own, and you're really growing in your faith, and um, you know the leader of the two forty two is starting to see that you are developing this heart for other people. Um, they're or at least we train our students to start, um, having those intentional conversations about, okay, you know, who are the people in your life that you can be praying over that you now want to go after and disciple, or that you want to intentionally have those gospel conversations with. And that's part of the beget stage of just, you know, starting off in prayer and asking the Lord, you know, God, who, is it that you want me to intentionally select? Mm. So part of the intentional sending, like you said, is also intentional, uh, selecting Mm -hmm. in order to be sent out. You have to have people that you're going to. Right. And so starting off by even just asking the Lord, you know, who, who is it in my life that, that you want me to, um, pour into. And, um, and then kind of narrowing down and, and you know, making the ask, um, starting that relationship with those people, starting the belong stage with those new people, mm-hmm. making that relationship, starting to have those gospel conversations if they're not already believers. Um, and then that's really how you're sent. Um, and in our context of 242s, you know, you're sent when you can start your own 242 mm-hmm. um, with your own, you know, one to, to three other people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We really try to not send anyone until they have a mission field to go to right? uh, until they have people that they've already asked Mm -hmm. to be a part of their 242 that they're going to disciple once you're done and so in a perfect world and we've seen this actually quite often Mm -hmm. but in a perfect world what happens is a person ends your 242 one week you can pray over them commission them out And then they start their 242 literally that next week because the two to three weeks leading up to their commissioning, they've been asking, they've been praying and they've been asking certain people to be a part of theirs. And then once their last week with you is there, Mm -hmm. you commission them out knowing that the very next week that they're multiplying themselves and others. And so then your group goes from three to six in a week.
0: Which hey, that's multiplication in and of itself. That's Look awesome. Look at that, right?
1: <laughs> and then you send it to someone else, and then and then it goes from six to nine, mm-hmm. and then they start sending people out as well. And then it goes from nine to like twenty-seven yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and uh, it, then it then that's when you start seeing the exponential, kind of up ramp.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, Chris, um, is there anything else that you would like to share about two forty twos or the disciple making process in general?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, not not really so much new information, but really just reemphasizing, you know, this, like, when it comes to disciple making, we have to put really all of our eggs in this basket. Yeah. Like, we cannot expect traditional church strategies to be able to reach mm. the world. It won't happen yeah and
0: traditional American church American
1: strategies. church strategies yes Be, and the reason why is because traditional American church strategies are about growing a church mm-hmm. not so much multiplying church disciples, disciples yeah <laughs> church. or even churches yeah it's pr- predominantly about growing a church right. which means that it is predominantly about addition getting more people to your church adding more people to your church Going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, the world around us is multiplying.
0: Like crazy.
1: People are having multiple children mm-hmm. who have multiple children who have multiple children. That's literally multiplication. <laughs> so to think that our traditional American church strategy of addition is going to be able to catch up and reach mm. a world that is actively multiplying. Mm-hmm is absurd yeah you will never get there Mm -mm. the only hope we have is to intentionally invest our lives in a few Uh for the sake of both discipleship and evangelism so that they will invest their life in a few more who invest their life in a few more that's the only way we're going to reach the cities that god has placed us in and it's the only way we're going to reach the world that god desperately cares about right um And so if you're someone who has not jumped in to discipleship, evangelism, disciple making, Mm -hmm. let me really, really encourage you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to do it (laughs) because (laughs) there is no other option Mm -hmm. for, for the church. Right. We won't survive. This is it. This is it.
0: I mean, and, this is, that's why Jesus... And
1: we shouldn't be surprised. Right, we shouldn't be surprised. That's why
0: Jesus gave us this command. Right,
1: we shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Jesus literally gave us the command. But not only that, but like literally we are all born to multiply. Like God created Adam and Eve, and then he looked at them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> God's desire mm-hmm. is for the earth to be filled with his glory as the waters mm-hmm. cover the sea. That's Habakkuk chapter 2, verse
0: Five. Wow. I'm going to check you on that. Okay. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> hope I'm right. I'll report back. <laughs>
1: God's desire is for his glory to fill the earth. Okay. The way God has sought out to do that is to create people in his image that reflect his glory to literally cover the earth. Mm. So when God gave the command to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, It was to fulfill the mission to fill the earth with his glory. Mm -hmm. You were made to multiply the glory of God ever since the beginning of your inception of Mm -hmm. creation. You were created to multiply. You were born to multiply. And what Jesus tells us in the New Testament is that you are also born again Mm. for the same purpose to multiply the glory of God in the world. And so, all in all, (laughs) the church won't survive if we don't.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you were made for it. Yeah. So the greatest satisfaction that you can ever have in Christ <laughs> is living the way he designed you to live. Yeah. And so do it, just do it. Just uh, do it. That's yeah. That's kind of like my departing words is <laughs> I, I was once very skeptical of like discipleship and evangelism and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful that my eyes have been open to just how vitally important this really is. Cause yeah, we, we won't, we won't get there. No, if we don't.
0: Right. Well, I think that's a really good place to wrap up. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it or else <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, thanks so much for, um, joining me on the podcast again. It's been fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, thanks for hanging in there guys. If you made it this far, um, thank you. And, uh, I know that was a longer podcast than I normally have, but I think that it was just so important to get a full overview of the disciple making process, because I think a lot of times we can hear disciple making and think that it's this complicated, complex thing that, you know, we couldn't possibly do, but really it's, It's very simple when you boil it down to, you are reaching the people around you, a few people um, in your life, and you are telling them about the good news of Jesus, you're sharing the gospel with them, and then you're also helping them to grow in their faith. That's why we created 242s, because we wanted something simple that our students can take with them um, to go and evangelize and disciple the people in their life no matter where they are. As we continue our discussion on disciple making, we're going to dive deeper into those four B's that we described belong, believe, become, and beget. And talk more specifically on each one practically what does it look like why are they important and we're going to have a lot of amazing people on this podcast people from different ministries all across Texas who have had just amazing experience in disciple making and I cannot wait to have those conversations with them so make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of that amazing content and next Monday we're going to be talking about belong and Um, we're going to have one of Coastal's own church planning residents. Um, His name is Kyle, and he's going to be talking to us about just the importance of community, um, because that's kind of where he is in his um, process right now of of church planning, is just developing that community where he's planning a church. And so I'm excited to have that conversation. Um, So subscribe and make sure to uh, take a listen next Monday. I hope you'll have a really great day, and we will see you guys next week.